Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. As a new mom, I can recall the feelings of how lonely I felt in the beginning. I wanted a tribe of mamas to hang out with, create memories with, and raise my children with, a tribe to help with navigating all the newness and unknown. I was craving some company. I love mumming, but I didn't want to do it all on my own. Where was this village I so desperately wanted to be a part of? TV shows and movies had done such a good job of painting this picture and got me all pumped up and ready to be a part of the village that I assumed came when entering motherhood. Was the village once a thing? Did it really exist? Maybe some people currently have this village in their lives right now, but if you happen to be one of those mamas who don't, you are not alone. When my next guest, Shannon, was a new mom, she also noticed that this fairy tale, fairy tale village was missing in her life. One day while Shannon was scrolling through Facebook, she saw a mom under fire being shamed for asking for help. Aren't we supposed to ask for help when we need it? Instead of joining in or turning a blind eye, she did something different. She gave this mama a hand up. She showed up with compassion and kindness, collecting donations and then matching them to fill this mama's fridge and pantry. The simple act of kindness was so fulfilling for Shannon that it fueled her determination to change the way mamahood looked. Shannon started the first chapter of Mamas for Mamas in her hometown of Kelowna, and since then has expanded, now having 54 more chapters found across Canada. Shannon's philosophy is to build longer tables rather than higher fences. She says as far as she can tell, it takes the same amount of wood and effort. However, the outcome is drastically different. Hey, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for being here. So excited to be here. That was an awesome intro. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, the stuff. Um, ever since I started following you, I, I kind of stumbled upon you. Um, like Dr. Jody Carrington doesn't really know yet, but she's like a friend that's not a friend, like my spirit animal. I'm like, I feel I like I'm it. her in another body. Anyways, um, I went to one of her, she was promoting your mamas for mamas, um, gala a couple years ago. So that's when I hopped on and got introduced to your story and was like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? Look at all this crazy, amazing stuff that she's doing. And wow, like would I have loved for you to be a part of my life when I entered motherhood. Like, I just think the stuff that you're doing is incredible. Thank you. It's, it really is the biggest gift for me. It's the most selfish job in the world because I benefit more, I think more than the people we serve. It's, um, it's an honor really. And it's so cliche to say that, but I was raised in service. My Nana started the motherless babies home in Lagos many, many moons ago. And I don't know, I just always kind of grew up with the idea that if you have a bit extra, there's gotta be someone out there that needs a bit more. And that I think is rare. Maybe like, I don't know, but Maybe, maybe. right. It used to be, I would say it used to be Candace because when, and I, and I didn't change that every single mom who decided to engage in kindness currency, they changed that. So I got to be a bit of an instigator, a bit of a disruptor. And I questioned this whole, you know, motherhood uh, experiences to 
is this all there is? And I think we can all agree that um, competition over compassion is not the way that mothers need to engage, but women in general are kind of put up against each other in a lot of different ways. And they're taught to believe from a very young age that unless you're better than the woman beside you, you're not good enough in your own skin. And I think that's one of the biggest things I wanted to challenge because uh, I just disagree with that so vehemently. It's not about comparison. I mean, we are all so beautiful in our own individual ways. And I'm, you know, not perfect at all. And if I was judged from these other mamas based on the stroller I bought or the formula or the breast milk or whatever I was doing, I just felt, I felt alone. And I just thought if there's an opportunity for me to show kindness and that helps a mom not feel alone, literally doesn't cost me a penny. And it actually fills my, my bank. It gives me tokens back that I then get to share with others. It makes me a better mom to help other moms. I don't know. It's just this crazy idea that truly building a longer table uh, rather than a higher fence, it, it brings people to the table. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So can you take us back to your journey through motherhood? Like, what was it like when you entered motherhood? Because you didn't have this tribe that you were looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually a story I haven't really shared very much, and I'm happy to share it now. Um, but it was very raw for me for quite a long time. And um, I had my baby seven weeks early. Um, my introduction to motherhood was brutal and gruesome. And I thought I lost my baby. You know, when I woke up and I had been rushed into the hospital with an abruption and I'd lost a third of my blood supply before I even got to the OR, I had just bargained with the universe to keep that damn baby alive. Take me if you've got to, but keep him alive. And uh, not only was he born at five pounds, four ounces, seven weeks early, despite the fact that he didn't really have a great lung capacity, he was healthy. It was truly a miracle. He had lost his oxygen supply before he was born. There's no reason he should be as, as well as he is. Um, but he was born on my parents' wedding anniversary and my dad had died the year before. So I knew for a fact my dad was there with me that day. I knew that he was, he was showing me something and I wasn't sure what it was until much later on, but it was that it doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account or what house you live in, um, it's all about the connection you have. And that's what that experience taught me. It was fucking brutal. I mean, it was like my husband went back up north on a Wednesday night, we joked about if I go into labor, I'll call you. And the next morning I woke up covered in blood and I went into shock. I fed my dogs. I called my sister and I was like, oh, I have my water broke and I think it's red, but you should come up anyway. And, um, and I realized like really soon after I woke up and met my baby and, and knew he was okay, that it, it almost really wasn't. And he was in the NICU for 32 days. And that's a short stay for a lot of people. But for me, it was very, very long. I had to go home without him. Um, I was in the hospital for 10 days. My mom was in Victoria with my Nana, who was getting open heart surgery. My dad had died the year before. My husband was out of town. And that was my introduction to motherhood. Oh, my so, God. Um, and I wish I could say it got better. But the isolation and the disappointment just came in different forms. Um, I wasn't necessarily alone in a hospital bed, um, but I was alone in my home. I was alone in my heart. I was alone in the journey that I really, truly thought was going to be a collaborative experience. And it, it broke my heart. I thought, what the, what did I do? Like, I got duped. I was made to believe this was going to be the best thing I've ever done in my life. And 
Um, all my friends were out being 22. <laughs> like my sisters were connected, but they didn't have kids yet. It was just like, where's my village? And um, it took me a little while to realize that it wasn't going to show up if I didn't make it happen. Oh, so wow. Wow. It was, yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. But after my second baby was born, um, I just decided I was done with the bullshit and I um, was finishing my master's. And at that point, I had really started working with the disenfranchised kids. I was a youth forensic psychiatric services intern, and I was treating violent offenders, violent sex offenders, and just general offenders, you know, the little nuggets that are robbing liquor stores and being silly. And um, every single one of them had a pattern, and it was that their mom could have used a hell of a lot more support. And that brought me right back to my system-based vision of what would it be like if mothers were supported, like truly supported. And Mamas for Mamas was born. Oh my gosh. That just gave me goosebumps. You saying that, I think that is so true. Sometimes we just try to treat, um, and triage like the stuff that comes up instead of actually find a solution and yeah, yeah support the moms out there and give them I like how you say it's not a hand out, but a hand up. Like we're not, you know, it doesn't come with like the judgment or the shame or, you know, those ill feelings. It's actually, you know, you show up with compassion and love and generosity, kindness, kindness Kindness is a currency. It truly has replaced moms using money in order to get the items and supports and services they need from one another. We have 70,000 moms across Canada engaging in Um, like there's over a million donations and trades happening every three months. And those items are going into the hands of people who can use them. They're not, they're not depending on an agency to facilitate it. We facilitate the groups. We make sure it's safe. We make sure the trades are appropriate, but at the same time, we put the power back in the hands of the mama because we're not here to empower them. They already have the power. We're just helping them to realize it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so just, um, a little bit of kindness can go a long way. So you started, like, what was it that led you to actually, like, you were missing this village after your second child, you were like, F this, like, this isn't happening anymore. I need to create this village and find this village. So what did that look like for you? Okay. So I was at my Nana's house and my Nana is, is very, very much like my mom, my mom and my Nana raised me together. Um, and my dad, but you know, broken household kind of situation. I was the middle child of five and I had uh, depression as a kid. So I spent a lot of time with my Nana. So anytime I struggle, that's where I go. So I went to Nana's and I was crying over a bowl of homemade chicken noodle soup. And I was lamenting and complaining this experience I was having. And she goes, (laughs) well, Shannon, little cut me off in a little French accent. Well, Shannon, I understand you're upset and you have every reason to be, but if you want change, you must make it. And I was like, I know, but I'm tired. <laughs> I was like, I'm so tired, Nan. I can barely get up in the morning with the babies and get them what they need and finish my schoolwork and do my internship. And she's like, okay, well then just keep complaining. And, you know, we can just pretend it's a pity party. And when you're done your pity party, then we can talk about solutions. And uh, it took about an hour. And uh, I decided to go home and find a digital community because I was stuck at home. I mean, stuck is a terrible verbiage to use, but it was, it was how I felt. I felt stuck at home. Um, I was either at work or at home and there was no place for me to go and build community. There was no place to build friendships. I wasn't 
at the park visiting with the other moms because I was working for free as an intern. So not only was I paying 20 grand a month in childcare to make sure my babies were looked after at home, but I was paying $3,000 a month to my internship. And even though I was, you know, relatively well off at the time because of my dad's inheritance and him supporting me beyond, beyond that earth, um, it was just really, really difficult for me to figure out what the hell to do. So seeing a mom, when I got home, engaging in this digital community building, I thought, let me go to a shop and swap and see what the needs are. And I went and I, I saw this woman getting absolutely torn apart. She, she was a girl. She was like 19. And um, she had just put out a really simple request. Does anybody have any food or know where I can get some? I've already been to the food bank this month. And it, it broke my heart to see the comments that were coming in. And some of them were just so misguided and hurtful. And I was like, girl, you delete that post. It's like, you do not have to pay for the help you need with your dignity. I'm going to get you some freaking groceries. Like if you could eat anything in the world right now, what would it be? And she was like, oh, I would just love spaghetti. Like I would love spaghetti. And, and I sat there for a moment thinking I can have spaghetti any damn day. I'm going to get this girl so much spaghetti. <laughs> and more than that too, I, you know, I'm going to get her items that she hasn't asked for, but I'm sure she can use and I'm sure she could need. But there was just this whole idea of seeing her struggle for just $20, $30 worth of groceries when I'm sitting there in so much plenty, in so much um, gratitude with, with so much more than I needed. I thought maybe this is how I can fill my heart in the loss for my dad. If I can make her life a little bit easier, I bet he'd be really proud of that. And so I started a Facebook group that day. I bought her groceries. I came home and I started a Facebook group and I called it Mamas for Mamas. Wow. Oh my gosh. Was that, was that the same day that you were hanging with your grandmother that you yeah. went home? It was about, yeah, like 11 AM when I went to see her and she fed me soup and let me cry until she gave me shit for <laughs> having a pity party. And then I, it, it literally took from the 11 AM. I got home around noon. I saw the post from that mom at like one 30. I bought her groceries by three 30 or four. Like I had friends just send me 50 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. I matched it. I went for a grocery shop, like, like I would for my own house. I came home. It was probably about five or six o'clock. I poured a glass of wine and I went online and I had this like big, like, uh, it was like a balloon had been inflating slowly since I had my babies. And all of a sudden I felt it just pop. And it was like, bitch, go like, you know what to do. You've got this, feel your gut, follow your gut. Stop pretending like you're afraid of failure when really that's all you've ever experienced. What's going to happen if you fail at one more thing, you know, but that was my biggest fear was starting this group and, and nobody really buying into it. And, uh, and I think that's why I refused to let anybody go without anything for so long. I was the one who would pick it up myself and drop it off to the other mom. If somebody posted that they needed something, I was going to get it for them. And I did. Wow. And that day when you dropped off the groceries, you know, something so simple that it's like, this is just like something, like you said, that we take for granted and, um, that we have access or we're, we're, um, don't even think about it or have to worry about it. What was it like when you actually delivered the groceries to this mama? Oh my God. Oh, well, like, so first of all, it, it was one of the most powerful moments of my life and it's, sticks with me. And I think about it often. I can physically feel what I felt when I walked up that door every time I think about it. And I put Jacob on in the little carrier. I had him in my, on my chest. He was about six months old. 
I had Jimmy in the little red wagon that was full of groceries. And I was trying to be quiet because I didn't want her to feel like she had to, you know, pay for the help she needed with her dignity or, or anything. I just wanted to drop it off and give her a note that says, you know, like mama's got you. I got you. So my mom always said to me growing up, mama's got you, you know, and, um, and I walked up and she opened the door and she started crying. And then my kids started crying and then my baby started crying and I started crying. (laughs) And she was in disbelief, you know, like she really didn't think I was going to show up. And that broke my heart. I just kept thinking like, you've obviously been disappointed way too many times to think that if someone's going to tell you they're going to show up for you and they, she was truly a hundred percent convinced I wasn't going to be there. And I think that's when I made it my mission to make sure no mama was left behind to make sure that if someone promised something, they would show up. And if they didn't show up, I was going to damn well make sure I did. You know, it was like, I couldn't imagine the feeling of not being able to feed my kids. It's like, how do you even conceptualize that when you have so much? And I just kept giving and giving everything I had until I had nothing left. And it wasn't because I, I wanted to um, have less or be less or, or I, I wasn't you know against materialism or capitalism or anything like that. I just thought, shit, like I have so much more than I need. And I own a home and I've got healthy kids and maybe we should turn this into something that's more than just me in my garage. You know, maybe we can grow this to something that's actually going to help more than the 12 people I have on my group right now. And then it became like 1500 people. And I was like, all right, we've made it girls. Like that's it. We have 1500 <laughs> women on the group and we are killing it. We have 400 bucks in the bank. We're basically a registered charity. Lock it up, go home for the day. We've won. <laughs> uh, it took me four years to actually get registered as a charity and $200,000 and, uh, and a lot of my sanity, but it was the best investment, um, I could have ever made. Oh my gosh. And the need. Yeah. You just kept giving and giving and giving and giving and giving until you had nothing left to give anymore because the need is out there like far and wide. It's not people like it's our neighbors that are needing a little bit of help, right? Yeah. Or a lot of help. And they're afraid to be othered. You know, nobody wants to feel like they can't provide for their family. And so when we allowed a little bit of an anonymous aspect to it, it wasn't really anonymous. People still saw the Facebook names, but you weren't going to someone's house in person and wasn't walking up to your neighbor's house saying, I have no diapers. Do you have any? Like, that's not a realistic expectation for many families. Um, pride gets in the way and that's okay because we don't want them to have to pay with their pride. But if you go in the group and you let people know what you need and what you're looking for, chances are someone's got it and they're probably pretty close to you. And that's going to make them feel really good to be able to give away the half sleeve of diapers that their baby's grown out of and someone can actually use them. It's not just saving mamas, it's saving the landfill. Like we've saved thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of garbage that wasn't garbage. (laughs) back into the hands of people that can use it. We refurbish things. We got a warehouse so we can take things in and redistribute them as the need comes up, not just as we can get rid of things. You know, we are investing in infrastructure and system change as much as we're investing in the day-to-day crisis relief. You know, there's the here and now, and there's the then and wow. Oh shit, that's good. I should write that down. (laughs) Write that down. You better better go to Etsy and 
type that up and get it sent. Get that framed. <laughs> I don't have to have that shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So then you had, you know, 12 people to 1500 people, like the need was out there and it took four years to actually register this charity, but you didn't stop. You didn't give up. Like, what was it that was fueling you to just keep going? Because, you know, some people might've been, been overwhelmed and, you know, four years is a long time to keep going. I was overwhelmed. Um, I was beyond overwhelmed and I did try to give up and the people around me just wouldn't let me, my husband in particular, he was like, okay, I understand that you're stressed and I understand that you're tired. I'm going to move home because I'm not going to work out of town if it means you're giving up your dream. And I was like, well, it's more than that. I've, I've not only given away all of our stuff, but I've spent the majority of the inheritance. And if, if we're going to keep mamas going, I'm going to need about hundred thousand dollars so that I can quit my job and I can go full time and not worry about us going into debt. And there will be quite a few expenses that I need to uh, qualify for. I said, you know, I just signed a $3,600 lease for a month for the next five years. And we have 300 bucks in the bank. I said, if you want me to continue with that lease, which I can either break it within the week or I can continue with it, we got to sell the house. And he was like, well, which realtor do you think we should use? Like, it was just like, well, let's, of course we should sell the house. Like, this is crazy. And we own this like much bigger house than we needed for the time. You know, we bought a beautiful home on a golf course. You know, when my dad passed away, it was my husband's parents' house. It was a wonderful avoiding tax situation and getting into the market and all of this. But by the time we sold, it was worth a lot. And it was like my dad telling me he was investing in me. He was continuing to invest in me. Um, even though he wasn't here anymore, it was like the universe was putting me in a position where it was my choice. Am I going to do this or am I going to stay being a, a sexual assault trauma counselor full time, which was also a very rewarding career and paid a hell of a lot more. <laughs> oh my God. In money, not kindness currency. Um, yes. And I think what kept me going was that no matter how much money I could ever make, it didn't fill my cup the way seeing a mom's face light up when she got the diapers she needed to look after her babe. There's nothing comparable to knowing that you have allowed a mama to look after her family. Like it is just, it's gangbusters in every possible way. I, I wish I could bottle it and sell it because it's like kindness currency cocaine. It is the best feeling in the world. Not that I do cocaine because that shit's not good for you. So don't do that. <laughs> but it gets you fired up and excited and you are going for everything you need to because your heart is full and you know that you have filled the cup of other people. It's just, it's power. Oh, I love that. So your husband, like, did he ever express to you or tell you like you, you were in this space where you didn't have a tribe and were feeling alone. And then you got into mamas for mamas. Did he notice a shift or a change? Like he's selling saying like, what realtor do we buy? Like he obviously must've seen something inside of you. He is the kind of man who would go to the ends of the earth to see me smile. You know, that, uh, that song, just to see you smile, like that's him. And, um, he, he saw me go into the, into a really dark space after I lost my dad. It was the worst thing. He was my person. And he died the day after Dylan and I got married of a heart attack. Like it was so sudden. And I just thought, I'm never going to be the same. And when I started building mamas, I was me again. And he was just like, don't lose that spark. 
Like I married that spark. I'm in love with that spark. I'm in love with you too, but I don't want you to lose the spark. Like, you know, he was invested in my happiness more than he was invested in his financial well-being. And that's a real partner. Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, All husbands have their moments, but after 17 years, I can count the amount of moments on one hand and that's pretty powerful. (laughs) Yes. Oh, of his God. moments. I can count my, I don't know how I can't count mine, but <laughs> well, obviously he's not keeping score because he is yeah, <laughs> bending over and moving mountains to see you smile. And I think, I think that's so powerful when you see somebody who is living out their passion and doing what it is that they know that they need to do and is lighting them up that yeah, of course you want to do whatever you can to keep that going because that energy, like when people are, when people are fired up and doing what they love to do, um, that energy is just, uh, insane and contagious and you can feel it. You can, you really can. And I, you know, and I have to say, I think a big thing he noticed too, was that I wasn't there for him as much. Like I wasn't a better partner because I was with mamas. I was a better person. I I was pulled away from him through mamas. So most men who want their partners with them all the time wouldn't have encouraged this kind of growth. Um, I'm not sure he expected it to become what it was, but I know he's still supportive of it. It's um, like he really actually understands that it's not about a moment. It's a movement that we are building, that we are engaging in. And he is just as big of a part of this as I am. He's just behind the scenes. You know, he's the he's the one who taught me how to build a budget for mamas before I had an accountant, you know. Um, he was my, he was the president of our board, um, when we first had a board of directors until I knew you couldn't do that, but you know, it was like, I just needed people I trusted and that would help me build this. And he would be home for two days out of 30. And one of those days he was doing a bottle drive with me. And it wasn't cause he liked sorting bottles. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, clearly you can't do this on your own. So you started solo doing this, like this was your, um, something that you were so passionate about, how did, how did that grow so that, um, you could reach more people? Well, it was the mamas. It was, you know, I had one mom reach out, Hey, can I volunteer? And I was like, Oh shoot, that's a thing. Yes, of course you can. I'd love your help moderating the group because I'd be getting, you know, 20 or 30 messages a day, which that time was like, you know, crazy. And how am I going to answer all these? And it'd be legitimate things. Mom's being like, Hey, I posted a box of diapers and these two moms are upset about it because one wanted it. And the other one thinks she should get it. And I was like, all right, well, let's build some rules around that. Let's see how this works. Like, let's make sure everybody gets what they need. It was, um, it was like, I remember in the beginning, there were like, it was a motley crew of mamas. There were some that were like professionals and there were some who were stay-at-home moms. And there were some who were like gangsters and they were like crazy, awesome mamas, but a little scary, but like amazing. And I was like, yes, you should help. And then I thought, what do I do? Do I train them? Do I need to show them how this is done? You know, is this like, is this going to be a legit thing? Or is this just like, this is how you run the Facebook group. So we just started with, this is how you run the Facebook group. And eventually people started being like, Hey, can I drop stuff off to you? I don't want to wait for someone to pick it up for my porch or however it works. Can I just give it to you? And I thought, okay, well, that can't be too crazy. Yeah, sure. Well, a month later, my garage is full. Siobhan's garage is full. Jen's garage is full. Like everyone's garages were full. And I was like, okay, maybe we need a storage unit, you know? (laughs) Um, And that's how it grew. It went from garages to a storage unit. Uh, We had some friends help us buy a, a van. Like they owned a 
Chrysler of some kind and helped defer payments until we had our first gala, at which we raised $7,500 and celebrated like we had won the lottery. Oh my gosh, I love that. Because <laughs> we had, we had won the lottery. We, ra- we raised enough to have a storage unit, to pay for the van, and to buy a few boxes of diapers in between what the other mamas could provide to each other, you know, and then slowly, slowly, bit by bit, we got a little bit bigger. People would move from Kelowna to Merritt. Hey, can I start a chapter here? I was like, oh, sure. I, I don't see why not. You know, let's start you a chapter in Merritt. And then it was like, oh, can we start a chapter in Saskatchewan? And I'm like, sure, let's start a chapter in Saskatchewan. You know, so all these branches just grew organically based on these moms who had been in Kelowna or saw us through social media and decided they wanted to build something like that in their community. But like, I wasn't even on Instagram at that point. I didn't know what it was. I didn't like it. I wanted Facebook and that's it. I had enough platforms to manage. And we met this woman named like Jillian Harris. First time I met her, I thought it was Julian because that's how it was introduced to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this wonderful Julian. I'd been like a stay at home mom watching Sesame Street for years. I didn't know what Love It or List it was. I hadn't been watching The Bachelorette. <laughs> like I had no idea. And so this woman reaches out and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm really busy like de- delivering stuff. But like, if you want to help, you can like, yeah, I'd love that. Well, okay. Turns out she's like, I'll send you some diapers. Well, she got Pampers involved and they sent us a skid. It was the first time I had to learn what a skid was. And I was like, skid mark? Like diaper skid? Like, what are we talking about here? No, no, we need a, we need a skid, uh, you know, like a, one of those machines that picks up the skid. I know, I know I should know what this is. I have a warehouse now, but I don't, um, forklift. And so I thought, okay, the storage place must have a forklift. So we got this like pallet of diapers and I lost my freaking mind. I was like, this woman just got us all these diapers. Like, how did that happen? And then I Googled her and I was like, oh shit. Like this woman is the real deal. And she just had a baby and she's trying to help us. And then I was like, okay, I'm a touch base with this girl. And we just kind of started chit chatting about like the diapers, the wipes, the needs, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And then she did a giveaway for Leo's nursery because she's moving from Van to Kelowna. And she's like, I have this extra nursery. You know, I'd like to give it to someone in need. So she did a giveaway. She probably had, she had a few hundred entries and she got back to me a while later and she's like, how do you, how do you deal with it? Like, how do you choose the moms you help? I was like, I don't choose to help them all. Like it takes a while, but you don't pick and choose. You help them all. And she, that just seems really overwhelming. I was like, oh, it is. <laughs> it really is. But when there's a mama, there's a way. So let's figure it out. You know, there's gotta be a solution. I didn't have a distribution center. So I went to the Parkinson rec center and I put up a sign, free diapers. And uh, all the moms on the group that had been re- requesting them came down. I had my little list, little checkoff list. And okay, Susie Q, I've got your diapers. And okay, you know, I've got yours. And it was about 20 minutes later. And it was like a, it was like a herd of ants had come and taken like <laughs> all the meals back to the queen. You know, I was like, I was blown away. I was super impressed. And I was, and I felt helpless at the same time. Like, how do I keep doing that? And it just kind of grew from there, you know? 54 chapters it's 62 now it's grown a little bit more um but they're all satellite branches for the most part which means they operate online only and they engage in the community in certain ways but our goal is to move into the communities in a really cautious way so we don't step on the toes of other nonprofits. we want to figure out what's already being delivered what's already being offered we're just here to fill the gaps and we're here to help you navigate the resources we're not here to take over other programs. That's just, that's just unkind. 
Right. Wow. Okay. So keeps growing and growing. Yes. We just opened Calgary. We have a physical space. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yep. We are 1000 center street North. Like how central can you possibly be center street? So you like, do you actually go visit any of these other chapters? I open them. I'm the one that opens these branches. Wow. Okay. So like, tell me about your team now, because now you are like 25 full-time staff members now, um, a few part-time, a few contract. We've got a full at-risk program, full mental health program. We've got uh, supervisors of each program, plus clinicians who work underneath them. Uh, The social worker uh, manages the different programs like deaf and hard of hearing, um, our indigenous support program. Uh, We have a family court support program that's victim services for families, um, women who need to write affidavits, men who need to write affidavits, people who are going through abuse. Uh, So we try to replicate every program we have at head office in our new branches as we grow. That's why it's so important for me to be there as we grow. I need to make sure we've got the right people. More than anything, it's the right people. You have the right people, you could build a chapter in six months. Um, But for me, I need to meet you. I need to spend time with you. And I need to know your nervous system before you get to run a branch of Mamas for Mamas, because you represent me. You represent the Mamas culture and you represent every one of our 25 staff members who work their ass off to be the epitome of kindness culture. So when you're representing us, you got to go through me. That is perfect. That was one of my questions for later was how do you choose these people? Because you are like at the heart of this, this is like something that you have created, um, that fills your soul. And it's like, you're so alive about and so passionate about, and it's like, how do you choose people or figure out if people are doing the same type of work and in it for the same reasons all over the, all over the Canada? Like, how do you do that? Take it mama by mama day by day. So there are many branches that are going from the satellite branch uh, status to actually building out into a space, having staff and growing into the community. Um, I need to make sure that not only do you have a cohesive team, but there's a really strong culture in that team. We need at least five people who are willing to donate a certain amount of time in certain positions to run the branch. You've got to have someone who's good with community engagement and fund development. You need to have somebody who's doing the frontline work, the social work, the victim service support, that kind of stuff. And you need somebody else completely who's running social media. That's a full-time job at Mamas. Um, It's our information dissemination tool. It's much more efficient than our mailing list or our website. I mean, I think they both have value, but the one person who's writing all the posts for the social media, they're really the one who's engaging with the the larger community. Um, You need to have someone who's pretty good with budgets and they're happy helping with grants and they're happy happy with the infrastructure development on the back end and being a little bit more quiet and just kind of doing that work. And then you really need to have that one person who is the leader and they are big mama of the branch and they are kind and they are compassionate, but they are Buddha with a backbone. And you need just as much backbone as you do Buddha to lead one of these teams. But finding that balance, man, it's tough. So I go and I spend a few days with these women. You know, they originally get vetted through our um, volunteer coordinator. They go through a process of filling out an application. We check their references. We do a vulnerable sector criminal record check. If they pass through that, they get to work with Christine and Megan and they do training. They do um, whatever their role is. They'll be specifically trained in that. And then we kind of develop a team around them. 
And once Christine and Megan have worked with them for three to six months and they feel respected and supported and acknowledged as their main leader, then I will step in to work with them as the um, big mama, big Mac kind of gal who makes sure everything is the same in every branch, you know? And that's when I come in and I spend three, four days with you and I get to know you and I meet your community and I meet your family if you want. And I get to know who you are as a human being. And as long as the nervous system is a good fit, we're ready to roll. And sometimes they're a perfect fit, but the community is not ready for us. And that's happened too. You know, there are sometimes communities that are very clicky and they're already like, we have a women's shelter and we have a food bank and we have this and we have that. And we don't need you. We had that in Grand Prairie. Fair enough. They didn't want us. We're out. We're good. We'll come back when you want us. I'm not going to force anything. I don't want to be in a community that we're not welcome in. And it's not because they didn't want us. It's because they didn't know how much they needed us. Yes. Like how, how can you turn that down? I feel like every community there's nooks and crannies, like every community could use one, even with all of the other stuff going on, there's always room for. Well, the resource navigation piece is the biggest, all these resources that are available in a community mean nothing. If you don't know how to access them, that's what we do. We just, we're a safe place to come where you can ask what's available and we'll help you tap into what you can actually uh, what you're eligible for instead of being turned away 10 times because that just creates hopelessness and helplessness and frustration we want to send you to where we know you'll succeed and that in and of itself is one of the reasons people come to us as like a primary hey i haven't even started i don't know where to go because they're not shamed for asking here and to be fair grand prairie was we had a great team we had a strong you know startup but It was just a matter of the grassroots vibe needed to go a little longer before we had a space, before we had staff. And they just, they were looking more towards the corporate structure. And I'm the first person to say, I appreciate corporate structure. And when it's time, I'm the first one to buy in, but we need at least a year of grassroots, really hard work on the ground. Um, You know, every time a mama volunteers with us, that is a, that's an interview for a potential job. So over time, I think we just identify who is a good fit. Um, and who might need a bit more time before we engage further. And that's, there's no, there's no issue. There's no judgment. Moms are at different places in different stages of their lives. And all I've got is compassion for them, but I don't have time to invest if it's not going to fit for the mamas for mamas community to grow. And that's right. Yes. Okay. So before we hit record here, you were banging your head off your, off the wall and cracking the wine with the grant. Um, oh yeah. I just want to go the scrant <laughs> that you have right now. Okay. I just oh want to know there's so much need out there. Like where does this money come from to support all these people? Like, where are you funded from? Where do you need it from? Like, what can people do? Um, fill up your wine. Um, Great question. <laughs> Let me tell you something. One of the biggest things about mamas is that we support families who fall outside of the income cutoff. So if you make $43,500, give or take a year, you're eligible for certain things, a childcare subsidy, well, daycare subsidy, um, housing subsidies, a whole bunch of different services. Not to say it alleviates all the strain, but it certainly helps. When moms or dads or caregivers make like $45,000 and up, they're basically considered well enough to look after themselves. So if they get a $4,000 raise at work, they end up Uh, losing $2,000 a month in subsidies and supports, and they can't afford 
to move forward with their lives and get stronger financially. So there's this clawback in the system that basically discourages people from getting more financially independent. And I call bullshit on that because that's what a real hand up, not a handout looks like, is helping people come from a position where they have to rely on something or someone else if they, if they don't need to, but they choose to stay in that position because it's, it's more uh, financially beneficial for their family because they can't afford to make more money. Like it's just, it's messed up. So we raise a lot of money privately. I would say we're 80% privately funded, which is unheard of in the nonprofit sector. But the donors we work with appreciate that we run very lean. We're at 26% admin rate, which is which very lean for a national charity or even a local charity. Um, and they like the fact that we have a hand up model where we're not just saying, oh yeah, here's a gift card, be on your way. We're looking at the system-based issues as to what brought them here. How can we give you a long-term solution? Yep, we'll get you some food right now. But long-term, let's get you on the farm. Long-term, let's build you a garden. Long-term, let's work with you on sustainable nourishment that's going to benefit you, your family, and your neighbors. Working ourselves out of a job is our goal. We don't want to be needed. We're happy to be needed. And I'd love to be needed as a community in the end of this and not a poverty relief agency because I believe if we do things the right way, we will no longer be necessary in that capacity. And I'm confident of that. Wow. So what is your, um, what timeline are you kind of thinking for that? Do you have something or that's just like your, your vision, your end kind of goal that you want to work towards? Well, I want to see a mama's for mama's flagship in every province by the end of 2027. I would say 2025, but I promised my board that I would focus on roots as much as wings. And they are some of the coolest people on the planet. So I respect the hell out of them. And I want to make sure they feel comfortable with our growth and our sustainability factor. With that said, it would not surprise me if we did have a flagship in every province by the end of 2025. It's a matter of the communities reaching out to us and needing us and us having the capacity and the volunteer strength in those communities to grow. I was offered a warehouse in Winnipeg this morning and I had to say, sorry, Brent, we don't have any volunteers in Winnipeg right now, but as soon as we do, you'll be the guy we call. You know, it's, yeah. it is about the roots as much as the wings. And I think we really need to, as an organization, focus on wherever we go, we're not leaving. So it better be very well done the first time. And that's my entire mission. And that's any case we work with on a mama, it's done right the first time. Anytime I'm working with a staff member, it's done right the first time. Anytime we're working on building a new branch, it's done right the motherfucking first time. <laughs> or there's no point. Yeah, because then you have to go back and fix all the mistakes. You might as well put in the hard work, uh, get, let the roots seep yep. down deep and yep. Um, yeah, do it right the yep. first time. My goodness. Yep. Yeah. But to, to come back to the funding question, we do actually, in the last year because of COVID, we had to cancel all of our events. Like our gala was canceled this year. We lost 300 grand overnight. It was like, what are you going to do? Um, so we have found different ways. We had a lot more grants in 2020 than we ever have. We had federal funding. We had uh, provincial funding. We had municipal funding. In 2021, that all went away. Federal government, provincial government, they all just like forgot that we were still struggling as charities. And they were like, we helped you last year. You're totally fine. <laughs> um, no, we're not. But thanks for the tip. <laughs> Appreciate you. Um, so Mamas has never been more lean financially than we are right now, but we've never been stronger than we are right now. And if anything, Candace, all I can say is that we appreciate what it's like to be a low-income single mom when we are the low-income single mom of charity. We will make it work. We will make our, we'll make sure our kids have everything they need, but we might be, you know, just lean and that's okay. 
right. <laughs> Go through the different seasons. Um, like, can people donate if they want to just like, yeah. There's different branches they can donate to. They can donate to the general, um, you know, like Vancouver's got a fully functioning five staff members killing it, you know, going hard on the floods. We've got 20 staff members in Kelowna. Um, we're opening in Calgary. Like you can donate specifically to a branch if you want to see your area grow, or you can donate to head office and help us grow kind of from the, from the top. Okay. Wow. Okay. Do, I've got a... Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, we do have the flood funding that just came out today, like the specific donate for the flood support uh, for Vancouver, um, which a few people have asked for because they want to make sure it's earmarked for that crisis relief specifically, which is a hundred percent. Okay. Not only okay, it's appreciated because I like to know where our donors want to support and how I can make sure that their money is going exactly where they want it to go. Um, we've got like different things. You can donate directly to mental health. You can donate directly to the young mama program. Um, you can donate directly to the champion program, which is for our kiddos who live out. Um, it used to be called the foster care support program. Um, but those who run the foster care programs didn't love that. And fair enough, because it does serve more than just kids in care. It serves kids who are in need of support. It serves kids who would otherwise go to their mom, but instead need to come to mama's. And so there are no questions asked with our champion kids. They are generally referred by an Indigenous advocate. Uh, my sisters, two of my sisters are advocates in the school district. So we have a very formal and informal referral process where if a child needs eyeglasses and their mom can't provide it, we will. I have a case right now where a child is 18 and they've almost aged out of care and they're in desperate need of eyeglasses and they've been applying to the ministry for four months and there's still nothing and it's still nothing. And we're like, forget it. Let's just buy the glasses. Like, this is just crazy. Like, this kid's got a seat, yeah. you know? So, and then we do things like we work with our, our partnership coordinator and we develop partnerships with like optometrist places. Um, our fill the gap dental program has $6,000 a month in support where we don't get that money, but we give clients to them and they serve them at no charge. Like that is like, I don't know if you know, in BC, if you have a, an abscess tooth or an infected tooth, they will not pull it and they will not do anything other than give you antibiotics on a one-time basis. So if you have to go to the emergency room every day because you can't afford the prescription from the pharmacy, you'll have to wait three or four hours to get one shot of antibiotics just to get the infection gone. And then you still have an abscess tooth. You could go to the gospel mission, which has a, a beautiful dental clinic, but there's a 12 to 14 month wait list. If you're in pain, that's not feasible. So we have fill the gap dental where we we do pain relief and infection relief. It's not cosmetic. I mean, maybe one day we can make mama's smile prettier, but right now we're just trying to keep them so they can eat. And that in and of itself probably costs $20,000, $30,000 a year on top of the partnerships we have. But they need it. So we have to, we have to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like so blown away with um, the diversity of your care that you provide. Like I- but Fill in the gaps. So we do- everything the others don't and we don't do it better we just work with them to do the last bit that they couldn't because of their restrictions so there's a lot of really incredible nonprofits that are kind of held back from the best work because of the funding model if you're almost entirely government funded your ability to go above and beyond is not there our ability to fill the gaps is there because our funding comes from private sources that are meant to do what the governments won't. And it's not the government's not great, it's that we shouldn't be depending on them for overall service. We should be working to make sure we don't need to. Yes. Wow. Okay. 
All right. I have a couple of final questions before we wrap up. I'm like, yeah, just in awe of everything that you're doing. I just think it's so incredible. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Okay. Not me though. Like it's a a team effort, Candid. Yes, absolutely. Um, but you're at the heart of it and you for four years stuck to it. You, you started that movement. You started the Facebook group. Like it takes one moment, one thing to spark a change or to change a life. And from that day one with your grandma, (laughs) that conversation over the chicken soup and that good old cry, like started this movement. So I know it definitely takes a team, but like how lucky that they have you to lead it with your passion and fire. Very kind of you to say, thank you. I love it. Okay. So let's go back to the table. You say that we have to build a longer table, not a higher fence. Who have been some of the most memorable guests at your table? Oh, shit. That's a great question. Oh, my gosh. The mm, guests at my table. Like, I don't say this because she's famous. I say this because she touches my heart in a way that most people on the planet ever have. And Jillian has believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself. When I stopped to really think about it, um, Jillian Harris invested in me when I had tapped out, you know, when I didn't have any money left, she didn't even know what she was doing when she came in to take a look and help me pick out a paint color. Um, she believed in me enough to pick out the paint color and that helped me believe in myself in a way that I really needed at that time. My Nana has always been at the head of my table. Um, and my mom right beside her, my dad, right across the way, actually my dad's right here behind me in my picture here. Um, My family really has been, you know, my sisters, I'm the middle of five kids and growing up with them, they challenged me more than anybody and they loved me more than anybody. And it took me to get to my thirties to realize really how much they love me and how much I love them. Like I have always loved them, but, but there's a, an interconnected thread of true connection that can only be created through blood. And these, these people have my back in a way that um, it's, it's almost unfathomable. Um, but I mean, beyond that, like Melissa, you know, one of my closest friends, um, who was the first person to hold me and tell me it was okay when I was struggling with postpartum depression that I wouldn't tell anybody about. She's now our mental health supervisor and trauma counselor at mama's, um, still one of my best friends. And we still get sassy in the hot tub regularly. (laughs) Um, you know, Megan, uh, like Megan is like, she's got like eight names, Berta vibrations, Megan, like she's just. I built the most ridiculous website at the beginning on Wix and she offered to help and fix it. And God damn, did she fix it? <laughs> uh, she's now our director of operations and uh, runs everything with us and is based in Calgary. And she's, she'll be directing a lot of the operations out there. Lindsay, you know, she was beside me at E Fry. She was the intake coordinator at E Fry when I was doing sexual assault trauma counseling full time. And I knocked on her door one day to ask her what a bylaw was and she could help me write some. Um, and my old boss, no names necessary, but she taught me what I didn't want to be. And she, she has a spot at my table. Um, because if you don't know better, you can't do better. And I'm grateful for her teaching me how I wanted to do better. Um, there's, there's so many, there's so many, those are the ones who come to mind, obviously Dylan, like he's basically like sitting with him at my same chair at that table, my boys, Jimmy and Jacob they're my reason for living they're my reason for building mamas they're my reason for for 
being awesome. And they're my reason for drinking wine. Let's be real. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Do you offer wine services or deliveries at Mama's for Mama's? We do actually have wine partnerships. We had a Mama's Bubbly. We had a Mama's Rosé. The only thing we need now is a Mama's Red because that's my jam, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that should be the next venture to support what you're doing is get into the wine totally. you're down in the Okanagan. Everybody will buy the mamas for mamas wine. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've already had five different winery partnerships and they sold out within the first month. Like they were very lucrative, very successful. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So for any mamas out there listening to this right now who are needing some help, who want to expand their village, but are afraid to ask for help, what do you say to them? Just join the Facebook group, do it quietly. Um, do it loudly, do it with fire, do it with ice, do it with whatever you've got inside of you. You will find your village in your local Mamas for Mamas group. And if you don't reach out to me, Shannon at mamasformamas.org, and I will make sure you do. Like, I got you, mama. And I don't mean that as like a, a saying. I mean that with every core of my being. If you need something, if you're struggling, even if you're not struggling, but you just need connection, come to mamas. I got you. Oh, love it. Okay. Lastly, where can people find you find more about mamas for mamas and everything that you are doing? I would, you know, I'd start at mamasformamas.org. We've got a really, really beautiful website. Thank God for Megan. Um, and then we've also got, you know, the Instagram is, is, uh, up to date for the moment, you know, within 12 hours, you're going to know what's going on with mamas. If you're following us on Instagram, um, we've got the head office one. It's just at mamas for mamas. It's basically our handle everywhere. It's like just mamas for mamas. I think one of them might be my mamas for mamas. Cause someone had already jacked it in 2014, which is crazy. But <laughs> you now at the end of the day, if you Google us, you'll find us. And, um, if you're in need of like literally anything to look after your family, we'll help you find it. Wow. Okay. So to end here, I just have to, I'm going to read Um, just a couple of the feedback that is posted on the website that you got from some of these mamas, just to let everybody know, like how incredible this is. So the first one is the support we were, the support we have received from mamas for mamas absolutely blew me out of the water and surpassed my wildest dreams. The clothes, jackets, diapers, and wipes are already being used, keeping the kids warm and dry and relieving stress. That was for one mama. Another one shares her gratitude. Yesterday, a lovely mama came over and dropped off a birthday present for my daughter that turned five. I was so grateful and was almost in tears when her little boy went to hand me the gift. What I thought wasn't going to be a great birthday for my daughter turned into a wonderful day. And lastly, thank you for the interview clothes and more that I wasn't expecting. I got the job first job in eight years. Like these, these are, these are three, um, three. That's that. Yeah. That makes my heart smile. I haven't even read those. They often come through the social work team. Um, they used to come through me and I loved to read them. Um, but hearing them from you was actually even more impactful because it was like, um, objective feedback. (laughs) Wow. That's really special. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't even know my own website quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Go check it out. I know only three of the feedback from like the, the thousands of the mamas whose lives you're impacting that, you know, you might never know the impact that you have, but I know you can feel it and you know what you're doing. So I just think it's so special what you're doing. 
Um, well, we're doing it. You know, we are. And you're welcome to join us, Candice, because we're moving into Alberta and we might need some volunteers, girlfriend. Oh, All right. Well, I will. Yeah, I will stay connected and I will. <laughs> uh, on the spot. <laughs> I know. No, that that'll mean you'll have to come and hang with me and oh, we'll girl. have to have wine and you'll you'll have to make sure I'm a good candidate. So absolutely. If, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on. This was just lovely to chat and catch up and share a little about mamas and vent about my gaming grant that gives me migraines. Yeah. So anybody out there listening, if you have some extra cash laying around that, you know, is just collecting dust and you want to support a fabulous charity, uh, mamas for mamas can definitely take that off your hands. There's so many amazing places it can go. So Absolutely. all you out there listening, yeah, check out Mamas for Mamas and spread the good around the world. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.